Hey friends, it's Kelsey Kemp, here to inspire and guide you as you answer the call. Tune in each week to hear me illuminate the biblical truth of what a calling actually is and how to find yours so you could create a career worthy of hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. You won't just be hearing from me though. Some of the most incredible and purposeful people I know will be joining me to tell you their story of how God called them into careers that honor who they were made to be. So their work is now creating generations of ripple effects for the glory of God. Y'all ready? Okay, let's go. Well, hello, Answer the Call listeners. This is officially the first interview, and I am so excited and honored to be doing this with my dear friend, Bethany Joseph. So you'll hear me explain in a minute whenever the interview kicks off that seriously, whenever I felt God calling me to make this podcast within the same second, it felt like within the same download of all these thoughts was you have to start with Bethany because you'll see why. Her story is so crazy, changing from a career in sales for startups to a classical portraiture artist, I hope I'm saying that right, in Scotland. So wild. And there's so many twists and turns that you'll come to see through this episode. But some key points that you have to look forward to is her explaining Well, first, I wanted to say something that she said to me this one time that really, it hit me to the core. She said, when I asked what a calling is, immediately she responded that a calling is peace. And that peace can only come from God, especially whenever the circumstances make no sense. And it's so clear that just by the world standards, it, it doesn't make any sense where she was at and things weren't supposed to work out. But time and time again, God's faithfulness was made so clear and her willingness to be open-handed and move where he had her um, is so awe-inspiring. And I hope that it bolsters your faith as it has mine in being friends with her. Um, I hope that this interview is of service to you. Um, a theme that I found so powerful is her talking about how God is for God. Somehow in the Western culture where many of us are in, I don't know where you're listening from, but um, we somehow make God out to be for us so my life can be happy, so I could feel love, and so he could be my genie in a bottle and answer all of my requests. But the thing is, God, he made us for him to enjoy and for us to glorify him and for the satisfaction of our love in return from him. So that's something that Bethany mentions a couple times, and I found that such a powerful concept. And I think her understanding that to the core is what made her so willing to pursue what God was calling her to do. Another theme you'll see is all of the very, very interesting things God did in her life to confirm what he was calling her to do. Because I know a lot of you guys, and I know this was certainly me, a huge question on my mind was, how do you know when you know that what this idea is? Is is it coming from God? Is this new career path, this option? Does he really want me to do this? Or am I just making all this up? (laughs) 
And through this episode, you'll see um, what God did to make it very clear to Bethany that those directions were from him and nowhere else. So there's all that and so much more that you'll come to see or hear, I guess, (laughs) get it right. Um, So without further ado, here we go. First interview with Bethany Joseph. Dear Bethany, you already know this is just something to get used to. It's the first podcast, Maiden Voyage podcast. Here we go. I just wanted to share a little bit about how we met because, wow, I just feel it's so special that we have only... We met in college from A&M. And Here then and there. We, as we were speaking earlier, identified this pattern that we just actually meet up about every May. <laughs> and it's this like world's colliding kind of event where we catch up and we're like, wow, God's faithfulness and looking ahead. And it seems like we're going into the abyss. And then we catch up again the next May. And it's like, oh, all that has happened. So met in college, but really our friendship started after that, whenever a friend's wedding really brought us together. Yes. So da to da, we're pals, we're here. Whenever I felt God strongly calling me to start this podcast, within the same nanosecond, the direction came that start a podcast, name it, answer the call, and have Bethany on your first podcast, because I just feel your faithfulness is so marked. But enough of me talking. I want you to start talking as soon as possible because that's really the good stuff. So sweet Bethany, can you share a bit of a nutshell of your background? Definitely. Of just growing up, I I grew up in Arkansas and I um, loved sales. I loved entrepreneurship. My father owned a couple of companies and kind of saw the ebbs and flows of an entrepreneurship lifestyle. And I had a jewelry business that I started at age nine and I kind of expanded that in different ways and would sell at salons or at boutiques or at trunk shows and really loved jewelry and really loved sales and wanted to do entrepreneurship after college. And I um, went to A&M and I studied business management. Giggum, yes. Yes, giggum. <laughs> and for all the fellow Aggies out there. And- Gig the world. <laughs> Just kidding. I never have this much school spirit until this moment. Well, anyways, moving on. Sorry. <laughs> um, and had really amazing parents that saw what 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 fired me up and really tried to fan the flame mm-hmm. and my dad would give me um entrepreneurship books to read like I was reading the art of negotiating and um how to win mm-hmm. friends and influence people in like third and fifth grade and so we would earn money based on the books that we read that he wanted us to read um so yeah like we would get anywhere from 5 to $20 based on the amount of pages that the books had wow. to kind of getting us into what do you want to do in your life? Why um, Why do you have these passions? What are your passions? Um, and so each one of the kids, I, I have two older siblings, and so each of us have a different you know, field that we're in. And that's really helpful to have mm-hmm. parents that know that you have a different calling than your siblings and try to foster that in a different way than they would with other kids. 
Wow. Oh my gosh. Way to go, Joseph. Like, <laughs> dang, good parenting. Yes. 101. Great that, parenting. Yeah. Oh man, I celebrate that. They actually celebrated your mm-hmm. individuality mm-hmm. and each of the kids. So that sounds like something that encouraged you already from a young age. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I don't know. You let me know if you agree to lean into what am I meant to do or maybe just initially what am I interested interested in in. and the fun part was my dad's an artist and my grandmother's an artist and her father and his father so it spans about five generations and so every Saturday well I say that loosely not really every Saturday but lots of Saturdays out of the year my dad would set us down all three of us and we would do art lessons Mm -hmm. and so eventually over time my brother and sister didn't enjoy it and I loved it so he would teach me how to paint a a log cabin or an apple or a banana or a jar or that kind of stuff and so it got me into I loved art Mm -hmm. um and the really fun part was that he enjoyed it too. So we got to do that mm-hmm. together. Whereas my other siblings, one liked guitar and one liked um, sports. So he would do those with, with each kid. And I, so it was really neat to see, like, I loved sales and I loved art, which typically mm-hmm. aren't put together yeah. because the artists normally can't sell and the, the sellers don't typically have a big creative side stereotypically speaking. Until you come along (laughs) and merge the two together. (laughs) Well, that's what's so beautiful about the Lord's children is that we are uniquely called in different ways. And if we are all just cookie cutter, Mm -hmm. like only left brain, only right brain, Mm -hmm. then the Lord's mission would be so um, boxed in. Mm -hmm. And because we each are uniquely created and wonderfully sought after and passionately found, we have each gifts that shouldn't merge together or that doesn't make sense or that is um, not typical for a personality like yours. So I love that um, each of us have, because of the gifts we have, can go into a completely mm-hmm. different direction than somebody who might have a skew or a hair different mm-hmm. and can go in a completely other That's direction. That's wild to think about how life seems like a web and like there's you know Mm -hmm. whenever we spoke before we all can relate to moments where we feel like the world is our oyster yes so I'd love to you know we'll get there in your story of where you felt oh my gosh I could I have so many different paths I could take right right and the way that you've made your decisions is so inspiring to me and bringing them to the Lord but it seems like where we left off in your story was maybe a bit of college. So mm-hmm. you're inspired by art, you enjoy making it, mm-hmm. and you're also interested in sales, and your family did a great job of encouraging those interests in you. How did you decide to study what you did in college? And whenever you were in college, how did you see your career progressing? Mm. So this is an amazing part that the Lord shows up in, in each of our lives, because where you go to school matters and it doesn't matter. Right. (laughs) So just that crazy juxtaposition of, is my identity going to be found in this? But in actuality, it does really matter after I get out of school, do people really Mm -hmm. care? Um, So I went to A&M and 
my freshman year was really taught that my identity was not found in the Lord. Mm -hmm. I sought that in my identity as a smart person in my grades because in Mm -hmm. high school, I made straight A's. I was a valedictorian Mm -hmm. and I was really known as that person. Um, And then in college, I made my first B and I made my first C in a class my Mm -hmm. freshman semester, first semester. And I was in business honors and um, the like, little short phrase for business honors is biz, biz on. And biz I on. love to say that I was biz out. Biz out. <laughs> biz off because I got kicked out because of my grades. And that was just totally wrecked my world because that's what I found my identity in, in a year prior. And so instead of, you know, really pursuing like being the smart kid, I really had to, to say, okay, Lord, I give this to you. I want to do business. I would love to do sales for a startup. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And not knowing that was where the Lord was actually going to have me, but thought I want to do just lots of sales and I want to make lots of money and I want to pursue success. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, just like any bright-eyed, bushy-tailed freshman would say. That's right. So um, I actually was one of the rare people that never changed my major. I was business mm-hmm. management all the way wow. through. And I did took a couple of entrepreneurship classes, wanted to own my own business, didn't know what that was, but my sophomore year, entered into a sales competition, and I beat my brother in it. I got third place. <laughs> Sorry, <I> think <laughs> There's probably – he's two years older. Um, always amazing at whatever he touched his hand. He had the Midas touch, and I beat him. There were probably about 70 applicants, so I got third place. was really proud to be yes. a freshman – or sorry, a sophomore to do that. And I remember calling my parents saying – this is something I'm really good at. Mm -hmm. It came easy to me. I didn't prepare. I'm a procrastinator. I was supposed to have a lengthy presentation. I was presenting to a panel of people and I just went in there and pulled it out of thin air. Uh, Yeah, you did. (laughs) And kept moving on in the rounds. Then the next year I go back and I win it. So that was kind of where I was like, I'm good at sales. And I had a lot of companies say, we want you to do an internship with us. We want you to come work for us. And during the summers, I did an internship called Southwestern Advantage, where we sold educational books door to door. So I worked 80 hours a week, straight commission to put myself through school. And I really learned the art of selling through the University of Hard Knocks, like we like to say, literally Hard Knocks. And faced rejection day in and day out. Um, And I mean, each, what's crazy to think is like each summer for working three and a half months, I maybe would have about 190 customers the entire time, but could make really good money doing it. Um, But just had to be okay with about 98% rejection. So that really propelled me in the sales track and realized, okay, my grades are not where my identity is placed. I had an average like 3-3, three, three, so it wasn't amazing. It wasn't like horrible. No, not horrible. <laughs> but it was nowhere near what I was used to of like the 4.3 in high school. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I'm always like, how does that work? I thought we were on a four-point scale, but I then again, I was homeschooled, so I'm like, what are school really in a traditional sense? Right. So wait, how did you figure out what your GPA was then on your resume? Oh, uh, girl, that was kind of just like... <laughs> I, I don't even know, actually. Hey, for anybody it? listening, I definitely 
you know what, actually, I can't say anything uh, too concrete <laughs> about how that all went down. But I did write a pretty good college entrance essay. Oh. And I took the ACT like everybody else. Mm-hmm. I took that thing nine times. Dang, I think I was like seven. Mm-hmm. After 12, mm-hmm. they wipe out your scores. Oh, good. Wow. So, <laughs> well, praise the Lord for that. And yes, here we are. and here we are. <laughs> so, right, I, I found that I could really get a job based on my three months in the summertime and what I did during the summers to, mm-hmm. to um, differentiate myself between the nine months that everyone was going to school. Those three months is where I was going to get my job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a lot of offers knocking on my door, which mm-hmm. was very different for a college student where they're knocking on other doors. Not quite literally, but uh, hard uh, knocks, you know, hard knocks, <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> um, so with that being said, I graduated and I um, really took a different route because I had worked and never had a summer off and mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of figure out really where am I supposed to be and I didn't want to do what I kind of feel colleges like cattle herd you to do which is graduate a week later you move to your apartment and a week later you start your job Mm -hmm. and that doesn't really give a good transition of what did I learn what did I find that I liked and I didn't like Mm -hmm. and am I okay to say I might have spent four years and a ton of money Mm -hmm. on this major but this isn't where I felt the Lord is directing me to am I strong enough and brave enough to step into where the Lord wants me to be. So I gave myself six months after I graduated in May to figure out what that was. I worked at a sports camp, a Christian sports camp for three months, which was very hard and pride. And and I had to swallow my pride when I would tell people Mm -hmm. when they would hear what I was doing, that I was okay with, I'm taking a different route and I'm, trusting that the Lord's going to be glorified in this route. Mm -hmm. And I'm not doing the corporate America. I'm not being a consultant, which is what every business major. I I was drinking that Kool-Aid. Oh man. That's a whole nother topic about where May's students go. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the university's business school for those listening. But I didn't do the corporate America and I went and to camp for three months, which I was like the oldest counselor because <laughs> yeah. it was all freshman, <laughs> freshman girls. Yeah. And I was like, I'm per- tr- procrastinating finding a job. So I'm here. And this is my first summer. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Um, it was the only time I'd be able to do it. But then afterwards, I went to um, study art in Italy for three months. Okay. Can you just repeat? And then I went to study art in Italy for, wait, did you say three or four months? Three months. Three months. Three months. Amazing. Yes. Uh, okay. So whenever I knew you at that time, you were like, yep, I'm about to go to Italy. I was, I'm pretty sure at that time, in the throes of my consulting job, as I noted, I drank the Kool-Aid and took, and <laughs> I was like seething with jealousy at this point. <laughs> so funny uh, that I'm sure... As you were saying in that moment, I mean, even if I met you right whenever you were at camp, I would have been so jealous that you were doing that. Whereas in your inner experience, you're like, oh man, you know, it's like, it could be kind of tough to come up against everyone that took the standard route. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it shows that, I don't know, there's always something to appreciate on the other side, I guess. Well, and I was excited to tell people 
I was going to be in Italy, wasn't so excited to tell them I was going to work at camp, Mm -hmm. but it was the question afterwards, which is what I always got of, okay, well, but what are you doing after that? After that. And that is where I had to swallow my pride and say, I'm trusting that the Lord's going to provide that because I don't know. And Mm -hmm. it gave me so much anxiety to know. I don't know, but so much peace of this is what I know I'm supposed to do. So I had just an unwavering peace. So for all of the people that are in college that are dealing with where am I supposed to be, it is really sweet to walk with the Lord. And back in high school when I was trying to figure out what my major was, I remember the Lord saying, you're not here to change the world. You're here to do my will. And it was (laughs) – That just – Ran through me like a bull. <laughs> Repeat again, please. You're not here to change the world. You're here to do my will. Because I was that girl that was always, always on the forefront of my mind. How can I change the world? Like, I I just pumped myself up to the extent that I don't feel that we're meant to shy away from that. But we're meant to come to the point where we bring all things under mm-hmm. Um the will of God mm-hmm. and for his glory and not our own. So man, I was that person that was living for my name mm-hmm. to be the one plastered on. She changed the world posters. Right. So. And if you think about what Christ did on the cross, he changed the world so that we could live in his will. And wow. I don't have to do that anymore because it's final. It's victorious. He has done it all for us. Mm-hmm. And um, we have to be, dependent on him enough to say, I accept that. Mm -hmm. And I know that my name is not going to be plastered on every building in downtown Dallas or in every textbook that people in 2040 are going to read in their (laughs) history books. And I'm okay with that because I'm not here to make my name great. Mm -hmm. It's just like what you said. It's for his name's sake. And um, Matt Chandler gives a really good podcast, or I'm sorry, it's actually a YouTube video. and it's God is for God. And it's not that God is for us because that's very millennial Christian of mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of motivation revolves around, you know, God is for you and God loves you and your God died for you, which is true, but that's mm-hmm. not the message of the gospel. It's it's God is for God to to change the kingdom of the of the the um for movers and shakers to be there in order to glorify his name and not our name. So if you read all of these things that he did in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, it's all for his name, for Mm -hmm. his name. And I've I've been scarred because I've changed the lenses that I've looked through worship music. Mm -hmm. A lot of it these days, the mainstream is, it's all about me. Oh, yeah. It's I am chosen, I'm forgiven, and, and we go to yeah. we go to church, and we're really ended up just worshiping ourselves yeah. instead of worshiping the supreme, oh yeah, and the majestic of of God's character. So little tangent there, but I think that is something Such you have to tangent. look into. Of are my callings propelling my name? Are my passions and my talents going to propel my name, or finding? What is God for? What is he valuing? What is he trying to advance? And how can I use what has been gifted to me for that advancement? And that is where a calling aligns with the gospel. Yes. um, Instead of a secular view of 
I'm just going to propel my financial status and my success mm-hmm. um, based in the world's view yeah. of um, what my life is going to look like in the story I'm writing. That's such a good word. Yeah. How I, I felt you were saying the distinction is whenever you can, whenever you're only focusing on what are my interests, my passions, basically my agendas, mm-hmm. that you have to be very careful that if you're trying to promote your own name. Right. Whereas a calling right. from God, that is like a very specific special term right. that, as you were saying earlier when we were talking, there's no calling without a caller. Right. And he is going to bring you to use what is entrusted to you. Right. Your gifts, your resources, your spheres of influence, the passions on your heart, all of those things for his glory. Not to say we are painting a picture of um, not being cared for by God, and I want to be careful with that, but in the worldly sense, because, I mean, there's so many examples of people that, you know, they ended up doing what we would say changing the world, Mm -hmm. but it was once they came under submission to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I really appreciate your words on that for sure. But you got to this point where you're going to Italy, and then yes. after that, people are asking you, what are you going to do? And you're saying, the Lord's going to provide. <laughs> yes, and he did. He did mightily. So I think one of my re- – the reason I took the job that I took was because it was monetarily um, generous, mm-hmm. and it was double, actually even triple what – college students first coming out of college would make. And it was exciting because I had worked so hard in college during the summers and thought this was really the epitome of success and I can make all of this money. And it was similar to a consulting lifestyle where I traveled Mondays through Fridays and I was only home on the weekends. And I did that. It was a startup company. So really actually what I kind of wanted to do sales for a startup. But we create and fantasize what we want a startup to look like and I think in reality it's very different um and it's very hard because we were selling a product that actually had not come to the market yet Mm -hmm. and we did amazing at sales the company stayed around because the sales were so good they hired all the southwestern a lot of south sorry only southwestern um book kids is what we're called (laughs) (laughs) I'm a book girl (laughs) And we did so well that the product failed so miserably, but they kept it around because we had sold and all the investors were like, this product stinks, but your sales are amazing. So we will invest. And it didn't last very long. It's teetering right now, but they laid off 80% of the company. But a year and a half, it was about a year and a half, almost year and a quarter of doing it. I was miserable. I had really bad health issues. I had ulcers. I got cold sores about every couple weeks just from stress. Yeah. And I was thinking, this isn't the happiness that I thought I'd find by getting an amazing paycheck every month. Yeah. And the Lord stripped me of that identity that money was found. Money created happiness, which you hear is a cliche mm-hmm. and we, we've been taught it. But somehow we all fall into that temptation in some form or another of the pursuit of happiness. If I just get here, I'll be happy. Yeah. And that's not true. 
So afterwards, I I quit that. They asked me to move to Austin, and I wasn't going to do that for a teetering company. They actually laid off everyone in my department, my boss and my boss's boss, and I was going to be the only one. So I thought, I can't do the job I'm doing now and then also add four more people. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, okay, this is a done deal. So I quit. It is finished. (laughs) I quit. Um, and I never took a vacation. So I started interviewing for other jobs and thought I only get one week vacation or I only get two weeks after the first year. This is horrible. And I decided I was going to go to Scotland and, uh, go to another art school. And I thought, you know, all of our fleeting thoughts, that my art was going to just be a passion that I was going to fulfill on the side to make me like my sales jobs. Mm. And my sales jobs was going to fund my art career. Yes. Oh, what a plan. But yeah, plan. that sounds like something I would cook up. And art, you're going to stay over there <laughs> yes, in that corner. In this corner. sales, you're going <laughs> to give me that paycheck. <laughs> and it's funny because that's what I hear a lot still. Yeah. Of, but you could do this and it could you know, pay for your art. Oh, all the advice. All the advice. Whenever you're not in a standard job, (laughs) I feel you on that. Everybody comes out of the woodworks. Everybody. (laughs) And I decided that I was going to go to, um, oh, sorry. So let me back up. So I quit my job. I went to this man that I had interviewed for before I took my sales job he had offered me it's a is a jewelry company and I love jewelry because I did it when I was little, like I had said. And he had asked me if I wanted to take the company over one day because his kids didn't want it. He was a third generation in the business. And I said no because I wanted to be a mom eventually. Mm-hmm. And I said no. So I went back to him afterwards because I had always thought of the job of if I had only had taken it, I would have been happy. <laughs> And I went back and said, does the offer still stand? He said, yes. So we started kind of talking through what it would look like for me to buy him out. And we sat down at a Mexican restaurant. And he said, I don't really want to play around with you. But last week, I got a lady. I got another offer. Her husband is a big wig in Dallas, had... Deep pockets could write a blank check for how much the business was worth, and I could cash it tomorrow. And I'm really sorry, but um, I I'm thinking of taking that. So I said, so what's the percentage here that I'd actually be the person you would choose? Because my route would be I'd have to seek financing, I have to raise finance, raise capital, and then I would slowly buy him out over time, yeah. and I'd work for him and. Um, he said, I said, is it less than 10%? He said, I don't know about that. Maybe. I don't know. So I went back to my car, bawled my eyes out because that was my dream. Yeah. And it was crushed in a day. And he said, he said something interesting though. He said, I've, after owning this for 35 years, I've never had one person interested in this, in buying me out. And in the same week, I had two people contact me. Wild. Wild. Wild, right? So I, I go to Scotland the week later, which I bought a ticket on Sunday. I left on a Thursday. Girl, I like how you do it. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> and I went to this art school that I had found online, and I just absolutely fell in love. It was a portrait painting class 
It was a master copy class, and I loved it. I just absolutely would look at the time. I would get there at 10. I would look at the time, and it was time to go home, and I would be – I would just – walk home. I would walk home because I stayed at an Airbnb really close by thinking, I can't wait for tomorrow. I can't wait for tomorrow. I can't wait for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It was the first thing that I I had found that made the time go by really quickly. So I was um, traveling around on the weekends with a family that lived over in Scotland. And he was a big wig in Exxon. I'm sorry, ConocoPhillips. Um, he <laughs> Get was, it right. Get it right. <laughs> He was the VP of all of the UK um, drilling. Goodness. Yes, very big wig. <laughs> and really kind of picked his brain because here's the guy that's just at the, 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 the top of the top, had been with the same company for 30 years to try to, you know, kind of pick his brain. He gave me no advice. <laughs> Wait, everybody gives you advice and then you're like, can you suck? Give me some advice. I just really wanted it's somebody like, to be it. like, this is what you need to do. Oh, yeah. He, I have this contact. Here's his number. He'll pay you this much. And that didn't happen. So I was just praying the entire time, Lord, Lord, I want to do this. I want to do something that I'm passionate about. I really want to just stay here in Scotland and paint. Mm -hmm. And through those two and a half weeks I was there, I would get random text messages from my grandma, from friends who had no clue I was wrestling with what I was supposed to do. Or I didn't really – did I make it known that I quit? I think I had. But I had people who saw me painting that would just say, you need to do this. Wow. You need to pursue this as a career. Random affirmations. Random affirmations. So it was the last weekend I was there. I was in Dublin and I had been praying the entire time of just, I don't know what to do, Lord. I don't know why this, this jewelry thing fell through. And I specifically know where I was. I was in my hotel room and um, it was like a highlight reel went off. And it was as if I was asking the Lord, why did this not happen? Why did the jewelry deal fall through? I thought this is what you wanted. I thought this was going to be my path and really heartbroken over it. And the Lord sweetly said, I brought that buyer. And I was so sad because I realized I had been giving my hope to something that that was not what the Lord wanted. And I really wasn't seeking, is this what the Lord wants? Instead of, this is what I want. Now, Lord, make it happen. And (laughs) Funny enough, those are different. (laughs) He's not a genie in a bottle. No. But I really had to to ask, okay, so if, if this is what the Lord wanted and he didn't want that to happen, then what was it that the Lord wanted? And in that same moment, it was, you are to be an artist and to come back to Scotland. And I was doubled over crying for an hour and a half. This is not what I'm supposed to do. And I became like Moses where I had all the excuses under the sun of who's going to buy my work. How am I going to afford this? How am I going to sell this? I don't have any avenues set up to where I have friends that have extra money just to buy a couple thousand dollar portrait painting. And the Lord sweetly answered every single one of my objections. Because when you look, when I was looking at the highlight reel, all of the things the Lord had me walk through had prepared me for this moment. 
So let me give you an example. I sold books in the summer to teach me how to sell. I went to Italy to learn that I could live in a foreign country on my own and not have anxiety or travel anxiety. And I went to Scotland to find out this is what made me tick. And this is what got my my fire going again. And all of these little tiny moments that I didn't think mattered really in the scheme of things. I was just doing it because that's what I wanted to do at the time or because I felt that it was the Lord wanting me to do it. And I got to see how he seamlessly made the tapestry beautiful. So in that time, I called my friends on FaceTime and I couldn't speak. I was crying so hard and they were concerned that something bad had happened because yes. I couldn't get it Terrifying. out. I then was like, okay, well, when I call my parents tomorrow, they're going to say, you've lost your mind. This isn't going to happen. We're not going to, you're not going to do this because my dad is very much, you know, success and money and take care of yourself. And I called them and I said, y'all, I really believe this is where the Lord has me. I'm supposed to move to Scotland and I'm supposed to become a portrait artist. And instead of them arguing with me, they completely agreed. They affirmed it. And then it made me cry even harder. Yeah. No, no. We were supposed to say, don't do it. <laughs> yes, then I could go back to God and say, look, my parents don't agree with this. See, you're wrong. See? You're wrong. <laughs> and then it was also the fear that I'd sh- I was going to shoot my resume and, and burn it because yeah. it was going to be shot. And I had to give up the pride of knowing that I was going to have gaps on my resume. (laughs) So crazy how much it seems that is the biggest deal. I felt whenever I was making my big career change that I was maybe, okay, some of the hallmark things I was scared of, what people would think. Mm -hmm. But then in the back of my mind, I knew that would pass and I know I'm supposed to do this. But guess what? Always came back to the fear of, but my resume, that's like a permanent record that would have gaps in it. But the funny thing is, whenever you're really stepping into what you're meant to be doing, you realize, I don't answer to the people that would be looking right. at my resume. I just, that I don't. That piece of paper doesn't dictate my life anymore. No. Right. <laughs> Crazy. The gospel does. And I was in college when I kind of gave up my whole, like, grades matter <laughs> belief. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and I um, watched a TED Talk and the guy was like, are you living for your resume or are you living for your eulogy? <laughs> eulogy. <laughs> like, yes, I'm living for my eulogy. Eulogy, eulogy. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, I was like, I've been given a new purpose. I've been given this calling and now I need to make this happen. Side note, I do not need to make it happen. I need to trust that the Lord's going to make it happen. So I went back home. I found any job that I could that was temporary because I knew my big focus was Scotland, Scotland, Scotland. So I um, took a sales job at another startup. Should (laughs) have learned my lesson (laughs) the first time. And I had a horrible experience. I called my sister the first day and said, this is chaos. What have I gotten myself mm. into? Because my <laughs> right boss called me at 9.30 at night on a sales call and didn't hang up until I had to say I had to go at 11 o'clock. First day. Oh, good. First day. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I quickly realized 
I got myself into deep water here. But I could do anything for six months, I told myself, Mm -hmm. if that is what was going to get me to my calling, fulfill my calling. So I did that, and I met my fiancé through the job. So it was (laughs) worth it. Okay, crazy. So right about this time, that was two years post-college for both of us. Yes. And as per our, um, I don't know, unspoken agreement that we get together at least every <laughs> May. Yes. <laughs> Something about May. I don't know. Uh, we were debriefing all the things that we had been through. It seemed like oh, like just two hecks of a year. That's <laughs> awkward way to say it. But that's how it felt. And we were looking forward to what these big changes we were about to make were. And at the end of that pretty epic career-oriented conversation we're like and side note have not found any man that I feel like aligned with or anything relationship side of life was kind of on the back burner slash dead d-e-d dead (laughs) and you're like um well I mean I met like I don't know like you were kind of taking this funny inventory of the guys that you had met in your life I don't know that were of interest or not interest, and you're like, I met this guy at Chick-fil-A. I don't know about it. Well, I was really hesitant. Yeah, oh, I got the hesitant through the combo for, for sure. And then please continue to say what happened with that. Well, I just want to say that it was my second day on the job. So I had my boss <laughs> there, and she was kind of like quote unquote training me. And I we went around to the mall. And um, we went to each restaurant because the company I worked for worked with restaurants. And we worked with Chick-fil-A's. And I lived in Dallas. And I drove to Houston every week, every Monday through Friday, which was a haul, four and a half hours one way. And (laughs) second day, we sit down. She's on a phone. And she's like, if you get out there and if he comes out, like, just start talking to him. So I – I think he maybe mistaked my kindness as that I was interested, but I wasn't. You're like, no, sir, I'm not interested. I'm trying to make Didn't a think sale right anything now. Anything of it. He was around my age, and he thought we were a mother and daughter, was, which she's like no. 40, and I'm 20. At the time, I was 20, just turned 24. <laughs> like, not at all. Thank you. She has like five year olds, so no. <laughs> but, um,. Yeah, so I met him that way, and he quickly saw I didn't have a card because I was brand new. So then he was like, oh, actually, let me give you my card. So he he gave us his card and said, text me your information. That's the best way to get a hold of me. And that's how he had my phone number. Sly. Sly. Okay. Um, But I did not respond. I would respond once a day and my friend would get so mad at me and was like, okay, you gave 2% today. Please just give 4% tomorrow. (laughs) And I would screenshot his text messages and have her reply and I would copy and paste it and send it to him because that's how little effort I wanted to put into this. God bless this friend. Should we just give her a shout out now? Abby Odom. Okay. Abby Odom. (laughs) Thank you for being the official sponsor of this relationship. Moving on. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But I look back and I think that was the worst six months. I would never do it again. 
I didn't really even make, I probably was in the hole because of the amount of miles. I put 20,000 miles on my car in four and a half months. I did not make that much money (laughs) to pay even for what the mileage was worth. So it was all God sending me Mm. down that rabbit hole. And we um, started dating and then I told him, listen, this is what the Lord has called me to do. And he was really cool with it. And at first he thought I was going to be gone for three years. And I was like, no, it's only six months right now, but <laughs> like I'm coming he back. But he was still in it. <laughs> and that was date one that I told him that. Oh my gosh. So I was very open in front because I didn't think this guy was, I did not think it was going to go like, anywhere. Let me test you. Let me try I'm to leaving. intimidate you because that's what my personality is. If I, I I don't want to reject somebody with my words, so I do it with my body language. Ooh, good. Good move. <laughs> okay. No, then. If I just shut down and, like, ignore them, then they're like, oh, she doesn't like me. Right. <laughs> just barriers. Nope. And I'm an Enneagram 8, so I, I really it. pay – I really play to that when it mm. comes to relationships. Of I can intimidate my way out of things. I love that. I wanted to ask you about the Enneagram thing because yes. I'm so about it. I think I'm just going to make that a whole – Are you a 5 or are you – Oh, girl, I'm a four. You're a four. Are you a four-wing five, though? Four-wing three, actually. Oh, wow. Love that. And now I just want to analyze this, but we're going to have to put a bookmark (laughs) and continue (laughs) on with your stories. Yes. So so I... I think what the sweet part of the calling is that it gave me so much peace when there should have been anxiety there because I did not have a place lined up for living situation until two weeks before I boarded that plane. I I sent probably 60 emails and it was really sad how scammers prey on international students because you have to have an address to put on your border um, sheet that you fill out on the plane where you're going to be staying. And um, so what they do is they'll steal pictures from Airbnb, say that it's theirs, have a deposit down that it's yours, even though you can't go see it. It's a real address, but it is not their address. So caught a couple of cheaters or scammers trying to cheat me out of it, but found a lady. She said, you can live with me for two months. So I had a place at least for two months and I had very, very, very little money. I traded my sales skills and my marketing skills um, for the business school and got half off my tuition. Heck yeah. And um, I got to see the Lord show up time and time and time again, where if this was something that I just wanted to go do on my own, would have really riddled me with anxiety. Mm. Um, And that is what was, what is nice and, um, so God-centered about a calling is yeah. that it, it settles all of your fears yes. um, because I knew, okay, Lord, you called me here. Mm-hmm. I don't have the finances to pay for this. I still don't, and I'm going anyway. Yeah. And you bring your resources. And I love when the Lord calls his disciples to go into the cities and don't take a bag and, and take the clothes on yes. your back. And if they don't accept you, go to the next town and it's just go, go, just go. and I will yes. make the way. Yeah. And I had to trust that he was. And y'all, he did. I mean, I would have friends, not just one, like friends, multiple friends that would Venmo me randomly money <laughs> when I was- That is so wild. Cry- and and uh, large sums, not just $50, large sums 
where I lost a job that I thought I was going to have the entire time and it was only seasonal and I didn't know that. But I saw time and time again where, okay, the end of November is here and I don't have a place to stay. Mm. And a lady at my church said, hey, I've got a room if you ever need a place to stay. Yes, ma'am. I do, actually. <laughs> I do. And and the crazy part was I was going to stay with the ladies. The uh, There was a couple of the Airbnb that I stayed with when I had previously gone. And I'd asked if I could stay with them. And they were going to charge me an exorbitant amount. They had a tiny kitchen. We all shared one bathroom. Ooh. So there was a man involved, which was very strange. But um, they weren't believers. They were, quite honestly, the opposite of believers, like kind of <laughs> hostile towards Ooh. believers. Wow. And I found the security that this is my house. Like, this is a house so I can live here. Mm-hmm. And that is not the, was the Lord's plan. And um, so I had to tell this lady by Sunday that I was going to either stay with him or not stay with him. And that was the Sunday that the lady came up to me and said, <gasps> if you ever need a place to stay, I have one. Oh, my God. Yes. Gosh, it's moments like these where I don't even know what to say. Like my whole body just kind of gets, I don't know, like on fire. I just can't. It's so funny. The words that come to mind are, I can't believe it whenever the Lord shows up. And actually, I remember a message exchange that we had where we're like, why are we surprised yes, whenever when- we're asking for peanuts and the Lord shows his grandeur? It's yes. just so crazy. I wrote that in my journal when you text, when you messaged me that. <laughs> But like, seriously, we're surprised every single time, but really, I mean, whenever we come to the edge, we're just thinking about all the worldly things that could happen. But like you said, a calling is peace in knowing that you were told to be there. Yes. And so your maker, your caller is going to provide so that you could continue to be there until it's not time. Right. And the sweet part of where I lived was that I lived in like the epitome um, like wealthy spot. Oh, it looked of like Edinburgh. magazine. People would say, "Wait, you live where? How did you get that gig?" And I was like, "It was totally the Lord, totally the Lord." Because she had a mansion. It was a five-bedroom <laughs> house. It was a widow, five-bedroom house, and it looked like a magazine. Yeah. Oh, it straight up did. I could attest. It was three stories. Yes. What? It was crazy, but um. I, I love going back to – that was really my Ebenezer moment in Dublin mm-hmm. where in 1 Samuel 7, Samuel erected an Ebenezer, which means stone of help, after they defeated the Philistines. And that stone was placed there so that every generation afterwards could look at the so- stone and see the tangible evidence that the Lord showed up in that moment. And we know the the word Ebenezer from come thou found. I raised yeah. my Ebenezer, but what does that mean? And I never knew what that meant. <laughs> and it is a, a moment in your life where you say, okay, Lord, you were faithful here. So I know you're going to be faithful there. And I have a couple of those and we each do. Mm-hmm. We have to take inventory of what yes. those are. Remember. So we can remember God's faithfulness in our times of doubt. Mm-hmm. And so when we get to those moments when we're on the edge and we can't see the future and we think we're going to fall, we remember that stone of 
Lord, you called me here. You showed up here. So therefore, you're going to carry me the rest mm. of the way for yeah. your namesake. Yes. Not for it my namesake. It has to be you for you. Just like you were saying, God is for God. Mm-hmm. And he's not for us. And, you know, to be our pet, our genie in a bottle. Right. So God is out for his glory. And right. also to experience the joy of our relationship coming to him. But whenever a calling is for him, he's also going to make it happen. Right, right. Oh, wow. So that has brought me to Scotland thus far. And right now, I so my fiance, well, I guess boyfriend at the time, came over to Scotland a couple of times, proposed, did an elaborate proposal. And so we got got engaged in January. I came home. My visa was a tourist visa, so I could stay for six months only. And I had to leave the country for six months before I could come back. So I am in that six-month gap right now. I'm getting married in August. And my fiance has been selected to own his own Chick-fil-A restaurant. So it's deciding where in America we will be placed and then I will finish school. And it's about a three to four year process, depending upon how fast you can get through it. It's all self. Wow. Um propelling so we will see wherever that is and that okay this was another thing when I got over there y'all I had a really hard time with I found that there was a school like this that I was going to in Scotland in Dallas in my backyard oh my gosh yeah and I for like a week was freaking out of why the heck where did you send me to Scotland if I could have gone to one an hour away in Fort Worth right next door to me and I then had to zoom back out of this is not about me this is I have been called here and it was so humbling because people would say why from America are you in Scotland going to this art school because all the artists want to go to America to go to the American ateliers there's a couple there's one in like Boston New Jersey and New York Chicago and a couple in California so those are the epitome of like really nice ateliers Mm -hmm. because they um sustained through world war ii because a lot of them stopped during the war and they did it in america Mm -hmm. so i didn't have an answer besides this is crazy but this is what the lord's called me to do and that is scary because unbelievers are like you sound like you're on something illegal and not really, but like <laughs> what? they didn't believe me because they don't believe in God. So no. it was, I'm sorry, you were called to do this. And who do you think you right. are? What are you talking about? <laughs> right. And I had to swallow my pride and say, this is where the Lord has me. Even though I was talking to an unbeliever or an atheist or an outspoken agnostic or but those conversations like created more conversations yes. that led into amazing talks about what I believe, the Bible, and really why I was there. Yes. Which is the whole point of why I was even there. Because yeah, you can't explain it in your own right for your own logic. It doesn't make sense to it humans. Makes zero sense. <laughs> right. Right. To those that are unbelieving. Wow. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. So you uh, i'm curious to hear what is your understanding of your mission now it's been interesting now that there's a second human in my life yes <laughs> welcome zach yes welcome zach um 
But I know that that calling might be on pause right now because I'm just nannying and I'm babysitting on the weeks, the weekdays and um, the weekends to kind of supplement my small nannying salary. But it is same as kind of what I saw my six month stint to get me ready for Scotland. This is kind of similar, a similar stint to get me ready for marriage, but also like that calling has not gone away. And the, the ebbs and the flows Mm. of where the calling takes you of this is still my calling. This is still what I'm passionate about. Zach knows it and he is willing to help me become a portrait artist, which is what the Lord wants me to do. And here's the cool part is the more that I've gotten acquainted with what the portrait artists are like, that is a really big need for Christ to show up and to shine his light in that career because artists are very, like they're Enneagram five, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're their own person. They're spiritual, but yeah. they don't want to believe in one God. They don't want. They want to take and pick and choose. Yeah. And it's very much. I'm going to create what I want, a buffet of God, yeah. or um, I'm not going to believe in God at all. Yeah. So it's a lost, I'd say, culture. Yeah. Um, and that's really where my heart is. But also getting to paint like God's children and yeah. God's work of art, and putting it on a canvas. Yes. And that of itself is amazing, but also getting to paint, let's say like CEOs of companies or the country club president or a a family member and in the painting, getting to talk to them, getting to hear Mm -hmm. their story. And your face really does share a lot about your story. Like you can see the pains um, on a person's face based on like their wrinkles or their eyes tell a lot. There's a whole anat or there's really a whole study on yeah. what your face is saying in the story that you tell. That's incredible that you know that. I, I just well, I I have the book and I've looked at it. I'm gonna say a handful of times, mm-hmm. but I want to study it more that I get into it. But that's what's neat is I get to hear people's stories about what makes them tick and share kind of my story, Mm -hmm. but also listen to their story because they might be believers. They might not be believers Mm -hmm. and getting to document it and would love to give that with the painting of kind of their story. So it's a pass down because portraits done well are going to be in a family line for generations. So if a story goes with it, people are going to read it and um, getting to paint, you know, God's, children and his masterpieces are is is what gets me excited oh, it, i feel like i'm gonna butcher this but ephesians 2 10 is something that has been on my mind a lot mm-hmm. that we are god's handiwork mm-hmm. created to do works that he prepared for us to do ahead of time mm-hmm. in like advance. Before, yeah in advance crazy so cool um i given your beautiful experience with understanding and being open and hearing God's call for your life and then bucking up and actually following it because we know that even in the Bible, there's plenty of precedent for people resisting it or turning it down even. What would you like to encourage anyone listening with whenever they're trying to uncover what their calling is? I would say badger the Lord in prayer. Badger him. <laughs> I would because he said, keep knocking, keep, keep asking, yes. keep searching. And he is the source of truth 
and wisdom and treasure. And Colossians says that, you know, yes. all wisdom and treasure are, are hidden in his hands. And to believe that, to seek his kingdom, knowing this really is not about me. Like I want my calling in my life, but that is really individualistic. If I'm worried about to advance my name, my career, like we've talked about, but Lord, what is it that you have called for me and how can I use my gifts to advance what you are about? Yes. And, you know, he's about his people. And so mm-hmm. I get to paint his people and he's also about justice and he's also about mercy and he's yeah. all, all these characteristics because we can't box them in. That's what's so sweet about calling is they can be in all areas yes. that fulfill his ministry and each are delightful in their own way. Yes. Yeah, equally prized and equally important that people step up to their stations in society. Uh, You, I think, spoke about a moment whenever you received your calling. It was like in a hotel room and you got this highlight reel of insights. It's so funny. Mine came to me also in a hotel room. I think it was Valentine's Day and I was alone. I was traveling for work in Chicago kind of dramatic. (laughs) And I just heard so clearly, it was so crazy. I started like automatic journaling and Mm. it was like my hand was just moving across Mm. the page. And I heard God say, and I wrote down, I am calling you to deploy my soldiers to the stations in society they Mm. are meant to serve in. And it is so important that every single soldier shows up because they are called, yes. we are each called and commissioned to, as you said, use your gifts, all that you are. I think Oz Guinness, um, he wrote The Call, a really good book. Um, and he defines a calling that it is all that you are, mm. all that you do, and all that you have now given dynamic and direction as it is now done unto the Lord. Wow. Like, truth. <laughs> That's So that is... Uh, something I'm so encouraged that you have brought all that you are, all that you do, and all that you have unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it has got you to this moment where you are an ambassador for the Lord in a very specific capacity. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so encouraged by that. And I'm so glad that you could share. Thank you, Bethany. Thank you I for having you. me. I'm so glad Thank that you so we got much. to do this. Praise God. Praise be to Him. Oh, for His name's sake.